This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. As you know, it's Thursday. It's the Paula Show. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And this is The Word to Stand Up for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions, life questions. And on Thursday, whatever you think Paula can help you with, all you need to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free by Calling, let me get to my thing here, 877-630-5757. Easier way to remember it, 630-KSLR. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And remember, if you're driving in your car, the safest way to call today is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Use the hand-free feature of your phone. Uh, Just hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen and everything else will be hands-free. Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you. What's on your heart today? Well, you know, before I come over here, I always pray, Lord, uh, just help us to be encouraging. And what I was talking to you about this morning at breakfast was um, how people come and go, you know, and... And then when they come back, whether it's military deployment or they got they went and moved somewhere else, or maybe some even got a little mad because you know you 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 went from teaching to preaching and then meddling, you know, <laughs> start touching some nerves. And um, no offense, Pastor Ron, but sometimes that happens even with me. But you know, I'm still married to you, and I sit in the front row, and it would look kind of bad if I was like, you know, that's he just was looking into my heart this morning, and I don't appreciate it. And so anyway. Um, but I still, I hang out with you because the Lord told me you're the one for life. Because so. he won't let you change churches. No, he won't let me change churches. <laughs> and he, he reminds me, you said you like conviction. I do, but sometimes it gets to be a little rough. It's like, oh, man, I got to change some stuff up and I got to change it up today. You know, so anyway. Um, so this morning as I was just asking the Lord, okay, what do you want to talk about? And he was saying, come out and be separate. So let me go over here to 2 Corinthians 6. That's where it is. And I'll start from verse 14, even though verse 17 is where come out and be separate is. Anyway, verse 14 says this. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God has said. 
I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Well, come out and be separate from them. And, and you know, we're, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And it seems like even our Christian brothers and sisters are, you know, we're, we're too many of us are starting to drift towards, we want a king like everybody else. Um where instead of being the influencers, we're being influenced. And we're starting to say, you know, it's 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 a little difficult being uh, a radical, on fire, submitted and committed Christian because, wow, it's getting harder and harder to, um, you know, we, I want to be loved. I want to be liked. I don't want to have um, people call me, strange or or weird or anything like that and so let's just go along to get along and then in the end the lord will will um decide who's going to go to heaven and who's going to go to hell but let's don't think about that part right now <laughs> let's just live and let live right now and so the the come out from them and be separate um can even relate to us individual as Christians, where the Lord is saying, you belong to me and, you know, I want you to touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. And so um, as I look for these other scriptures that I'm going to talk about, you could go ahead and say something. <laughs> Are you going to say something? Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things we have to realize, and, and this is for everybody, uh, it doesn't matter whether it's Pastor Ron or, or Paula. It doesn't matter whether it's somebody who's a brand new Christian, somebody who's been walking with the Lord for 50 years. The, the truth of the matter is that every one of us who is not investing our time and our energy in the Word of God, and as I say all the time, just being with Jesus, we're going to get dragged away by this world into the things of this world. And what Paul is talking about to the Corinthians is, is um, you know, you have nothing in common with this world. Uh, it, it can be lonely um, if you're looking for people to prop you up, if you're looking for your value or your worth to come uh, in, in, in by way of compliments from other people, or if you're worried about what other people think. Um, and too often, we're not in the Word. We're getting bombarded by media. We're getting bombarded by by our college professors, by just anybody and everybody that we talk to. And um, the truth is, we have to make a stand. You know, I'm going to talk briefly about this now, but, but on Sunday, Palm Sunday message, uh, one of the things that the Lord has asked me to do this weekend is is to equate the the triumphal entry to the very time that we live in. And as you've heard the teaching on Palm Sunday many, many times. It's never uh, the same. It has well, never been the same. It's it's the same story. And, and you know, uh, the thing that, that always gets me, Paula, is that the crowd knew who he was. They knew when he would be, be there. That was the reason that the crowd was so large that year. Um, um, it, it was like a rose parade in Jerusalem. And everybody wanted to know, who is it? Who is it? Because they knew that was the day the Messiah was going to show up. 
And in the crowd, there'd be a bunch of people who said, it's Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, he's been doing miracles and nobody's ever taught like he is. And, and others say, it can't be Jesus because Jesus has said some things that, that are contrary to what we believe the Messiah or the Christ is going to do. And the truth is they were really disappointed in him. And uh, if the triumphal entry happened now, we'd be lining the streets and we'd be disappointed in him. Hmm. He's not the not the Messiah that we want. He's not the Christ that we want. Uh, we want a Christ who's going to do what we want and let us do what we want to do. And, and he's going to be more accepting of our faults. And, and, and that's why Paul says in the passage you read that we've got to decide on whose side we are and what we're going to do when push comes to shove. Um, Jesus says, come out and be separate. When we're looking for approval from the world, uh, we're doing just the opposite. And we're going to get involved with unbelievers, darkness and light. Uh, that, that line will be very muddy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the only thing that really seems to make a difference is spending time with Jesus both in his word and then just spending time with him. Mm-hmm. If you follow Jesus, you're not going to be dragged into the darkness. John says in first John that because he is the light, we have to walk in the light if we claim to belong to him. And yet the world says, no, 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 you don't have to be that radical. I was just uh, reading something yesterday that somebody sent me about, and it was, it was being very critical of the Christian purity culture. You know, you're ruining people's sexual lives for the rest of their lives, and you're 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 giving them this standard that that uh, is unattainable and unreasonable, and and it really doesn't matter what you do with your body as long as your heart is for Jesus. Well, Paula, that's what the Gnostics said say, in the first way. century, mm-hmm. and what we're doing now is we're deciding that we're 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 giving people an unreasonable burden by expecting them to be sexually pure. And when we say things, when I say it all the time, we say things like, like uh, all sex outside of marriage is sin. Well, people say, oh, you're just being condemning. And, 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 you know, the truth is we're either denying Jesus by our actions and our words, just like they did on Triumphal Entry Sunday, the first one, uh, or we are um, confessing him and living him. And Jesus said, when that happens, when you make that choice, there's going to be a dividing line. And those if, who's, whoever's not with me is against me. Yeah. And unfortunately, there's a lot of professing Christians who turn out to be um, against Jesus because they don't like what he says. I know. I'm so sorry. Um, you know, the other day you were talking about this and it struck me and I haven't gotten it out of my head. You said... When Jesus came into town, we forget his emotional state. You know, the 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 week of passion, the passion week. And you see, you have been in the last few years each day kind of explaining to the audience what was happening. Um, but the broken heart, you know, and I know we say this all the time, Lord, you know, you say to rejoice all the time. How can you rejoice all the time with a broken heart? And, you know, to think he's coming into town and he knew that they were going to be disappointed already. And yet he still came. 
Yeah, I think it's even a little more complicated when you you put yourself in the middle of that triumphal entry crowd, and uh, Jesus is is being ridden into Jerusalem, but all around the donkeys are his own disciples, and he's finally convinced him that he's going to die, and they see this crowd, and it's like. He's not going to die. Mm-hmm. He's got the crowding out of the palm of his mm-hmm. hand, and everything is going to be fine. Um, they were happy. The disciples who would be apostles, Jesus was wrong. It's it's, it's he he was so gloomy, Gus. But <laughs> but look at this crowd. They love him. They're singing Hosanna, and uh, and Jesus is sitting on that donkey, looking into the eyes of the people on the streets knowing that those shouts of Hosanna are going to be shouts of crucify him in in, in less than a week. And he's going to die for the sins of the world. He came to his own and his own received him not. It is impossible for us to understand the the pain, emotional pain, that Jesus the man Mm -hmm. was in Mm -hmm. during that time. You know, um, uh, you said at the top of the program, Paula, that people come and go. Sometimes they even get mad. And I've shared with you that the, the only thing I can do is minister to whoever's here. That's all I can do. I can't worry about who's not here. Yeah. And and that way, we're able to receive people back. Well, um, Jesus was all alone on that day when he came into town. He was all alone and uh, surrounded by tens of thousands of people. And yet his heart was broken when he looked out over Jerusalem just prior to the triumphal mm-hmm. entry mm-hmm. with his disciples. Mm-hmm. And and, um, and and he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you only knew, if you knew. only knew, yeah. I'd come to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks. His heart was broken yeah. when he stood at Lazarus' tomb. Mm-hmm. He wept bitterly. His heart was broken. And, you know, we don't think about that because we're so focused on how we feel about things. Mm-hmm. And the truth is... Um, it would crush our hearts and our souls if we could really experience the depth of heartbreak and heartache mm-hmm. that Jesus had to endure. Yeah. You know, going back to what I was saying originally, you know, we want a king like everybody else. You know, and that's kind of the, where we are in our government right now as well here. And, you know, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, gloomy, gloom and doom, but you think about it, you know, we, we look at even celebrating resurrection, you know, um, as Easter egg hunts. We got new dresses and and new shoes, and we look good going to church, but we're forgetting why we're celebrating. Even at Christmas time, we forget that that's the birth of Christ, but it's about a Christmas tree and presents, you know, and so we forget the depth of of why we even celebrate, even as Christians. You know, I just I just received and read an article while I was waiting for you to come in. Okay. Uh, well, Christianity Today, I think it was, but uh, it was it was will Easter resurrect church attendance? And the the sub headline was um, pastors hoping that Easter and Easter egg hunts will resurrect uh, attendance this Easter. And and see that just misses the whole point. Yeah. And there's nothing Debbie Downer about it. It is unthinkable 
that you have to say, I don't mean to be Debbie Downer. When we're talking about the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. it ought to be the one thing that every Christian looks to. I mean, our holiest day of the year, the, the day that validates every claim Jesus ever made about himself, um, we ought to be thrilled uh, Good Friday is always a great service here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's very emotional for me, and mm-hmm. I'm sure it is for many others. Uh, we have people coming in and they're nailing the, the things they wrote on on a cro- big wooden cross mm-hmm. that we have, and so people coming in during worship and you hear the pounding of the nails. And we we've done that now. I don't know for how many years, but it's been a lot of years. Yeah. Uh, but but it's intentional. I want people to think about the pounding of the nails. And that's not a bummer at all. Mm-hmm. Good Friday yeah. uh, was a great Friday yeah. because it was on that Friday that we we live because he died. Yeah. We sing worship songs. And if there's a great melody, catchy music to it, you know, we sort of love it. Mm-hmm. But we think about it beyond that. And it's like, well, he died. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible thing they did to him. Yeah. He did it for us. Yeah. That ought to thrill us. Yeah. My all my sins, past, present, and even future, are covered by that blood. And I remember that. I remember the very first um, Good Friday, because you know, you like to surprise me too. So I don't. I didn't know what was happening. And so I'm out in the line, and I'm writing down. It says uh, what you want to confess. You know what you want to. The Lord's always convicting your heart and so you put those convictions on there and then what you kind of are looking forward to after this and so I put those on there you know I'm just outside in the sun with everybody else but then you come through that door and the somberness it was like when we went to you know uh, New York after 9-11 it was just that quiet Mm -hmm. and then all you hear is the nailing of those nails on the cross. And it it, it was like, oh, my goodness. Um, I could hardly even, I mean, I wanted to put my, my fingers in my ears. You know, I can't imagine. With worship going on in the background. Yeah, with worship going on. But, I mean, the reality hit me that Jesus took on all my sins. Every time that hammer hit the nail on that wood, all I could think of was, he had to do that for me. Yeah. And he good, chose to do that. Good, good Friday is a week from tomorrow. It's crazy how, how fast the time is going already this year. Yeah. And, you know, it, 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 it's, it's because of those nails that we should come out and be separate. Yeah. And I think we're just living in a different time. Um, I we were talking yesterday or another day about uh, about I I think that the, the quarantine and the 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 year that we've had mm-hmm. is is going to change especially mega churches forever. Mm-hmm. Um, people aren't going to be coming back. The, the casual Christian we're living in a time where the casual Christian is going to be out of place. You know, James calls us double-minded, unstable in all our ways. And I think the casual Christian is going to have to really look into his or her heart and make a decision about who I am. And and, uh, the man and the woman that chooses to stand with Jesus is going to stand in the middle of persecution. Christians are no longer uh, finding favor in this world. 
People used to look at us as church people and, and they, they would look with a sense of admiration, even if in fact they didn't want anything to do with our Christ. Mm-hmm. But they knew you were good people kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but now you're the enemy. <laughs> and I, I'm just not sure, Paula, that the church of Jesus Christ, um, as we understand it, is prepared to live in a world as enemies of this world. Yeah. And and we're not making them our enemy. They're the object of our ministry, mm-hmm. not the enemy. Mm-hmm. But but we have been made the enemy by them. Yeah. And um the numbers they're the Midianites, the numbers are on their sides. Mm-hmm. And we've got to decide that we we're gonna we're gonna be who Jesus told us to be. Uh we've got to decide darkness and light can't mix. Um, um, you've got Christ, you've got Belial. Um, whose side are you on? And Jesus said, whoever's not with me is against me. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of Christians, by that definition, who are going to find themselves practically, I'm not speaking here about salvation, that's between people individually and the Lord, but practically speaking, if people are honest, they're going to they're have to recognize that the life I live is contrary to what Jesus told me to live. And the fact that I don't feel worse about it mm-hmm. says something about us that we all need to to truly examine. Yeah. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Paula, we've got only five minutes left in this half. Okay, well, let me just so, so finish out this little section here. And then on the other side, we'll talk about being pre-prepared, like you were saying last night. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming out and being separate in 1 Timothy 6, starting in verse 11. It says, But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, that's our hoopamony, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testing before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is mortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. Yeah. That's one of my favorite lines in all the New Testament, who lives in unapproachable light. Yeah. And yet we're invited to approach him every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's telling us, look, come out and, and once again, be the pure Christian. Be the pure Christian. Don't compromise. Don't say have a little bit of leaven because it's going to leaven the whole loaf. Go back to to the love that you once had. You know, and so that's what I'm, that's my prayer is, Lord, my first love, you've got to be it again. You know, Paul, one of the other things, and we haven't put it in this in this framework yet, but one of the things that I think we're seeing is the, the realization of Jesus's parable about the mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds, but, but it grows in this huge tree and the birds of the air come Mm -hmm. and and perch in that tree and of course in the parables birds are always evil so that represents satan and his minions and the people that belong to him and 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 that's exactly what church looks like i i only know about it in the united states but but i'm sure it's like this all over the world um um 
we have such unnatural, abnormal growth. And in the middle of all of the beauty of Christ and the beauty of, of his people, um, the birds are gathering. Mm. And, um, you know, in our midst is the evil. And Jesus warned us about it. He said, this, this is what the kingdom of God is, is like. And and we live in those days now. We live in those last times. And um, the, the church, unfortunately, um, we're going to see the birds, the pretenders. We're going to see them leaving when the heat gets turned up. I know that you have little strength, Jesus said to the church of Philadelphia. But when I open a door, it's going to stay open. When I close the door, no one can open it. Mm-hmm. And we've got to decide that it's okay for us to have a little strength. We've got to decide that it's okay for us to be the odd men and women uh, out, um, that that pleasing God is enough. We don't need to worry about pleasing people. Uh, it's going to cost us our jobs. It's going to cost us our friends and family members. And, and Jesus told a lot of other uh, stories about anybody who isn't willing to leave father, mother, sister, brother, uh, family members, everybody for his sake isn't worthy yeah. of the kingdom of God. Yeah. And and I, 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 with all my heart, I believe that that shaking out has already occurred. Sad. But it's not discouraging. Nope. You know what? The Lord has put something, I think, deep into, I don't know, my heart, our hearts. Um, though when people even our own family um, say, see, you wouldn't want to be a kind of thing, not going to accept your Jesus. Though we are sad, we're okay. I don't I don't know what it's like the Lord is saying, but I'm close with you. Yep. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Mm-hmm. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the date day show. We'd love your calls. 340-9585. We'll be back in two minutes. back to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the second half of the program we've been talking we would love your input at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR paula Ba-boom, take it away, he says. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're talking about being pre-prepared. And as you were talking about Joseph last night, the ladies on uh, Monday nights, we're in Esther, and pre-preparing is across the board. Explain our word pre-prepare. Pre-prepare. Instead of just preparing, you got to be Extra prepare. Yeah. yeah. Just just not urgent enough. Prepare. Yeah. That's not urgent enough. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I'll get a few things in a bag. Mm-hmm. No. We, as Christians in these last days, mm-hmm. we have to be pre-prepared, pre-prepared. meaning we got to make decisions about what we're going to do and, and how we're going to do it and for whom are we going to do it before the opportunity comes. Yeah. In the study last night, I was talking about uh, you wake up to this morning, it's a horrible day. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Yeah. And most people, well, I haven't thought about you. I'm hoping it's not going to be a horrible day. Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing is true. When temptation hits you tomorrow, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Have you already decided what your course of action is going to be? 
I used to be a um, um, a pool player. I wasn't a great pool player, but I had a pool table, so mm -hmm. I played a lot. And the one thing I really liked about the game of pool is that you plan your shots three, four, five shots ahead mm -hmm. as you're moving around the table. Okay. And, and um, you know, that's sort of what it's like to be a Christian, especially in these last days. Mm -hmm. That's how I think when, when I used to play Scrabble. I'll be praying for the other person. Go ahead, put a word right there. Yeah. <laughs> put your word right here, because if you do, I already got me some serious points coming. If you if you make the plan, and, and you would have two or three of those little areas where you could do your scrabble and get the most points for. So I know what you're talking about, but you take it to a whole nother level. But I, I, I I'm learning, Pastor Ron. But yeah, to pre prepare, and you were saying. Um, like if you have a bad, have a nightmare and you wake up and sometimes they are so real. <laughs> and, but what are you going to do with that? Because as the Lord has told me, if I wake up in a bad mood, then I just need to give him that bad mood. It's not fair to put my bad mood on either you or anybody else. And so to be pre-prepared, I always have to, now I know when I wake up and I kind of have a attitude, I got to check myself. Usually I take a shower, and so I'll say, Lord, while I wash the outside, <laughs> you need to take care of the inside for me. And so I don't spill my garbage on to you or anybody else. So yeah, that's and, my pre-prepare. Yeah, and the time you have to make that decision when you're having a good day. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because if you if you wait until you're on a bad day, mm -hmm. it's too late. Yes. You know, uh, I live my life um, it just the way I think. I always do the hardest things and the most disagreeable things first. Mm -hmm. um, if, if I can get all the hard stuff out by noon, mm -hmm. then the rest of the day is breeze. Mm -hmm. You know, so I always do that. It doesn't matter whether it's serious stuff or the stuff at the gym. It's just the kind of way we've always done. And we need to understand that as a believer, that, that there's always going to be temptation. There's always going to be hard things. And what we've got to decide while we're in a good place with the Lord, okay, I want to stay in this good place. So when this happens, how am I going to respond to it? And, and I think that's the most effective way to to deal with the spiritual warfare that comes, the everyday calamities and tragedies of life that come. Mm -hmm. uh, I just think it's one of those things that we've really got to focus on. Paula, before you keep going, I think we got Jeff on line one, and I'm sure he's calling for you. So, Jeff, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hello. Happy Paula show day. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Don't, don't, Thank you. Don't worry. Don't worry, baby. Everything's going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my, my producer, Jeff, let me know. My producer yesterday said that that there's uh, most of our audience has no idea who who the Beach Boys are. So I needed to explain yeah. yesterday the yeah. don't worry, baby. And I told him that that's only unsafe people who don't know who the Beach Boys are. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. In my oh, neighborhood, when I grew up, I didn't know who the Beach Boys were. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. So how you doing today, sir? Well, right now I'm sitting in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic on I-10 and 1604. I have no clue what's going on, but at least I have a, a munching on a green bell pepper sandwich right now. Man, oh. it's good. <laughs> you know, green bell pepper is filled with vitamin C, 
It's like one of the one of the most richest vitamin C filled. And if you cut them up into little, little, little tiny pieces, you can throw them into the stuffing, and no one would ever know that it's in there. Somebody would. Yeah. <laughs> we'll still yeah. find out. Yeah, this somebody would for sure. <laughs> well, I was hearing you this week, Pastor Ron, and I, I saved this because, of course, i like the two of you to talk about it because the two of you do this together. But you coined a phrase, and you said, we're in the ministry of pain relief. Uh, and 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 that's that's just so true and i just want to hear y'all talk about that ministry of pain relieving thank you jeff and i'm I'm going to get off and finish my 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 green bell pepper sandwich okay yeah drive drive careful yeah um when we forget that ours is a ministry to others and that there is so much pain uh, that's out there in the world that we live in, then we lose sight of what Jesus has called us to do. And Paul, at least from my perspective, um, you know, um, when I grew up, my grandma, I'm old enough, my grandma was really old, and um, her cure for everything was was castor oil. And, and she'd force feed us with spoonfuls, of castor oil and she'd say it's good for you it's good for you um and unfortunately the 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 pain relief we offer to a lot of people who are immersed in this world uh metaphorically tastes like castor oil they don't want to take it they'd rather deal with the pain the pain they know is is safer to them to many than the unknown and yet we have the opportunity to watch people who are delivered from that pain um, the emotional pain, the, the the pain that comes from our past. And we we really are, uh, if we're going to follow the model Jesus gave um, for ministry, we are in the ministry of pain relief. Mm-hmm. And we've got the only medicine that works 100% of the time. And all we got to do is convince people that that they need to take advantage of it. But we, we just see so much pain. Mm-hmm. My dad's uh, remedy, uh, as you well know, and all the kids on, on the block would come to my dad because he would take care of us. But it was peroxide. <laughs> and it was peroxide. You know, you have this open gash, you know, and he would pour peroxide on it. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay before he poured it on. The audience, you've got to know that no matter what happens to me, Paul has got a bottle of peroxide. Oh, yeah. I hope She's that. pouring it on there. You're going to get some peroxide. Yeah. You got some. I'm gonna, it's it's going to fix you. But I used to protest, but I, it's no, it doesn't work. <laughs> I'll pour it on you when you're not looking. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's going to hurt. And But as the bubbles bubble up and and it's getting down into that, that open sore um, or that cut, it's working to clean out the the dirt and and to help you and so a lot of times we come in and you know we're giving the people counsel look confession you're going to open up some wounds and it's going to hurt but once you get that out and cleaned out let the lord clean that out of your life your heart your mind whatever yeah it's going to be painful but it's going to be great relief later so the castor oil on the inside, you know, cleaning out, and then the peroxide on the outside going deep inside as well. That's going to eliminate a lot of pain. 
Yeah, and you know, Paula, when I was in Bible college, we lived in a really old, small apartment. And you remember when the window sill fell on my finger, mm-hmm. and and instantly my finger blew up. Yeah, and it was just um, so much pain and so much pressure. And you convinced me that I you needed to pierce it mm-hmm. with a pin. Yeah, you you sterilize the pin. Yep, and then you pin it down. I said no, no, mm-hmm. and it hurt when you stuck the pin in there. Yeah, but instantly the relief. See, I forgot. I have one job with a lot of tentacles. Yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah. I'm something else, right? The Lord has made me Dr. Paula. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I remember that. And that the pressure was relieved. Oh, instantly. Yeah. And 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 that's sort of what happens when we when we really have an encounter with Jesus Christ. The pressure and the things of this world uh, just go away. There's still consequences and there's still struggles that we have to deal with. Mm-hmm. But 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 the pain that's about to kill you, yeah. uh, it goes away. Yeah, uh, the, my favorite marriage counseling ever, and I won't tell the people's name, but the lady called me up and she came here. I met her. It was one of those emergency kind of things, and she had messed up. And so I opened up the word and told her what she needed to do. If you confess your sins, the Lord is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But you got to go and ask for forgiveness from the one you committed this sin against. She left out of here, went straight to her house, confessed, asked for forgiveness, I mean, that just hardly ever happens yeah. when somebody, you talk about ministry of pain relief. Her husband was just blown away. He called you and they've been doing great. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but. What did your wife say to my wife? Uh-huh. What do you want to know? Because she came home, she came home a different person yeah. and she got it all out and they were able to start from. From scratch, that's that's a ministry of pain relief, and as we know from many years of counseling, there's simply nothing on earth more painful than a bad marriage. Yeah, yeah. One is the loneliest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Two, it's just as bad. Anyway, being pre-prepared so that the ministry of pain relief, we have it all the time, and some people, you know, we listen, and and. and obey and some just think that's way too much the lord's asking too much and the pain grows deeper but we're still here yeah. and even going back you know uh to the beginning of the show where some people come and some people go and some people come back and say you know what i didn't like what you said the first time but your message hasn't changed and now i'm ready to listen yeah. and so when the pain gets so great, at some point they got to look for, for relief. Jeff, you're in traffic, so you don't have anything else to do. Um, We're trying to relieve your pain right now, yeah. Jeff. But, but <laughs> um, you know, a ministry, any ministry, whether it's just a ministry that you have as an individual or a ministry that you're a part of, that ministry has to be others-focused. By definition, it's others-focused. And we've got to get to that place where we realize that nothing we do is about us or for us. Jesus is the one who cares for us. Jesus is the one who's all about us. We've got to be okay with that. It means everything that we do, we do expecting nothing in return. Everything that we do, we do for God's glory. And we do it to help others 
relieve their pain. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a hard pill for us to swallow because we're such a what about me type of, of, of culture that we live in. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're, we're spending a lot of time and energy um, trying, to, trying to be happy instead of being obedient. And, and when we're obedient, then Jesus can make us happy. Mm-hmm. Paul, this is, it's called in from Thomas to the studio. Okay. I've heard that birds in dreams represent evil. I had a strange dream where two birds were attacking me. Could that have been a supernatural message or could it have just been a regular dream? Thomas, um, it, it's really hard with dreams because it could have been either of those things. Now, you're right that that uh, I said earlier in Jesus's parables, birds are always representative of evil. And so that is a dream that is consistent with what the Bible uses. And it's a way that the Lord can speak to your heart. So um, um, it could be either. Now, here's what I know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I have t- terrible dreams. Um, my, my, my dreams are not from God. I'm often attacked by the enemy. Um, but here's what I know. I know if God sends me a dream, he wants me to know the interpretation. So uh, after a dream like this, Thomas, what I would do is just sort of file it away, keep it in the in the front of your mind. And, and as you're out walking with the Lord or praying uh, or you're reading your Bible, say, Lord, uh, this dream won't go away. I, I just feel like it's something that, that you want me to know. So I'm ready to hear. And at some point he will, if it's truly a dream from him, uh, he'll let you know what it means. And usually he'll let you know at just the right time. Now, Paula, you, you've got had a lot of dreams from the Lord. Do you have any comment? I was going to ask uh, Thomas uh, to remember, what were you doing in the dream that may have caused these birds to come and attack you? Because I'm thinking about, um, and I don't, I can't even remember the name of the person where he was making the sacrifice and he cut the wood. Abraham. Abraham. Okay. And the birds were trying to attack and take the the sacrifice there. And he was having to shush him away. So um, you need to be maybe a little more specific with yourself and the Lord in your prayer. What were you doing? Um, maybe that you were serving the Lord in some way and, and the, uh, the birds were trying to attack you to keep you from being obedient. So like Ron saying, it's kind of vague in your question, but just be specific in your dream. I usually write mine down. If I really think it's something um, that the Lord wants me to know, I'll, I'll write it down so I can refer back to it when. And the details matter. That's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. The details do matter. The details matter. And the Lord will give you some clarity on those details as as you do it. Don't stress over it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think in these last days, Thomas, as we step out in service for the Lord, uh, there's going to be a lot of birds in our lives. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to be under attack. Mm-hmm. And I think we've just got to get to the place where we accept that that's just part of of serving Jesus in these last days. We've got to be tougher. Yeah. So um, uh, file it away. Uh, pray about it, and uh, at the right time, the Lord will will let you know exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. I think probably God speaks to us in dreams more often than we think. Yeah, yeah, I, I do too. It's not just sometimes uh, cold pizza or eating too much right before you go to bed. Sometimes it really is, and as as the time draws near for Jesus to come back, and and I, I I'm pretty sure I know this Thomas. He's pretty serious about the Lord. Yeah, the attacks on those who are the pure Christians, 
those attacks are going to increase. And so, as you've been telling us, we all need to toughen up a little bit more and, and not be afraid of the enemy, but be aware of him and his tactics so that we are better pre prepared. Yeah. Um, and so, God bless you. Yeah. And Thomas, I, I think here's one, one way you can respond to it. You can say, Lord, thank you that it was only two birds. <laughs> You know, because because they, they they have the ability to come at you in greater number, mm-hmm. and um, you know Jesus, two birds are no match for me and you. Yeah, yeah. Of course, we know he does all the fighting, mm-hmm. so we'll do that. Thomas called back. Good. Okay. He wants you to know that he was just standing in his backyard and he saw these two birds and they just started attacking him. He didn't provoke them. Good, Thomas. Just again, keep keep that uh, information um, before the Lord, and if it's from Him, He will let you know what it means and give you some direction about what you're supposed to do with it. It sounds to me like a dream that's simply saying um, you're doing what you do. You're serving the Lord. Um, If you're serving the Lord, you have provoked the birds, whether you know it or not. Mm -hmm. You know, Paula, last... You're in a fight whether you want to be or not. Last summer, uh, I I, I had this uh, on my walking route Mm -hmm. um, for... uh, It was not summer, it was spring. And um, at this same place, uh, as I would run by, uh, this same bird would attack me. It went several days in a row. And finally, they they gave me a break. But, mm-hmm. you know, it got to the point after the second time, I'm looking everywhere I'm going, <laughs> wishing I had a rifle or something. <laughs> but um, just follow the way, Thomas. Yeah. God will speak to your heart. Somebody told you that there was probably a nest nearby and that you were just a little too close for the mama's comfort. And so she was dive bombing at you to maybe you need to go on the other side of the street until these babies are uh, old enough to fly on their own. But <laughs> so anyway, I hope, hoping that. So being pre-prepared, I was, um, you know, on the Esther study at the end, Jocelyn was saying um, for us to read Psalm 103. And so I'm going to, I'm going to read that today. Psalm 103. And um, uh, let me see. I'll just start at verse one. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and um, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. His benefits. He forgives us of all of our sins. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. That's if that's not enough, you know, we're in bad shape. But remember, Christians, who God is and what he does for us so we don't get dragged away. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Any of you out there oppressed is so tired of our world and how things are going. But the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. And before the word we used was hoopamony. Hang in, hang in and don't give up on the Lord. He made his ways, verse seven, he made his ways known to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, about in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us. I love this one. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, 
or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we were formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. And it goes on. Yeah. Well, you, you wanted to be encouraging at the beginning of the program. Read that description of God's character again. Okay. Let, let this soak into your bones, into your, into your soul. He forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Let me go. The Lord, let me go down. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and we, we abounding think, in love. Yeah, Paula, we think he's so quick to judge us and condemn us. Mm-hmm. Um, you say you like conviction. That's because the conviction allows you to get closer to the one mm-hmm. who is gracious and mm-hmm. compassionate and slow to anger. Yeah. And you know, when he convicts you, it's not one of those, hey, look. <laughs> it's not one of those at all. It's so sweet and tender that you it just makes your heart hurt that, oh man, Jesus, you're so good to me. You spoil me. Like I'm your favorite. And yet here I am, just taking you for granted, you know, having an attitude and, and justifying myself. I'm so sorry, you know. And he's like, I know, baby. It's okay. I love you so much. I'm so glad you confessed mm. to me. He's slow to anger and abounding mm-hmm. in love. Mm-hmm. That's that's a great picture we need to remember whenever there's something difficult going on. Well, Paula, we've hit two minutes. So um, what, what do you want to share in the last couple of minutes? I just want everybody to persevere with joy. The Lord is with us. You know, if if we could be more like Joseph, Joseph's one of my favorites, you know, um, that even though he went through difficult things, impossible, impossible. that's what you're going to say, impossible things, um, you know, just he learned the secret there too of saying, okay, Jesus, I'm doing things your way. It's not turning out the way I would have thought. But I count on your promise of that um, you're going to never leave me and your will is going to be completed. I'm going to trust you, Jesus. And that's what I want all of us to do is to be pre-prepared because things are going to get harder. And so we're not caught off guard. And if we're pre-prepared, we could say, you know, in the end, times are going to be hard. But I can be with Jesus. He's with me. And see, then then we can get to the place where we really can say, don't worry, baby. Don't worry, baby. It's going to be okay. (laughs) Everything's going to turn out all right. When we get to heaven, all the things that really concerned us or worried us are going to seem kind of silly. They're really going to seem small. Hey, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the Day Day Edition. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. I'll see you tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. Bye-bye.
See you next week.